I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth because I didn't get a free museum ticket. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Proponents of technology, engineering, science, medicine, education, and the arts for eight decades, the McDermott family made a profound mark on the city of Dallas and the state of Texas. This week, we honor the life and legacy of Eugene and Margaret McDermott. But first, what's your favorite building on UT Dallas's campus? I, I'm going to start and say that the sweetest fruit is the forbidden fruit. (laughs) And so for those who might be younger and listening, or for those who went to school with us, remember UT Dallas has a series of underground terminal uh, tunnels that connect the buildings. And uh, you used to could go down there and you could go from building to building without going outside. Um, There was all kinds of like lab equipment and things locked in forbidden areas. And uh, UTD has now put out a series of PSA videos saying that, Students should never go into these tunnels. They are far too dangerous to traverse. And if you are caught down there, there will be severe penalties. So you'll never taste the sweet fruit that we know. <laughs> yeah. So so speaking of forbidden, uh, often the roof to the Johnson building was unlocked and we could go out there and go onto the roof. Uh, so I always enjoyed that. Um, it was there our own was personal also, moon tower, man. It was our own personal moon tower. Uh, there's also in the green building, uh, there was well, there's the green building that uh, that has the classrooms and the skylights that go from the first floor uh, up to the fourth floor, but not to the roof. Uh, it was a glassed-in area where the skylights go, defeating the yeah. purpose of skylights. Uh, but there was also another green building called the Green Center, and that's a building that students weren't allowed into. So we went to a college that had a building that students weren't allowed to go into, yeah, which is uh, kind of weird. Well, there was all kinds of rumors about what kind of, you know, yeah. horrific medical experiments were happening behind but these actually, locked doors. Yeah, I actually were. I actually went there for a student government function uh, with, an, with an administrator, and it was it's basically the conference rooms. I, so I, I prefer Mystery the fantasy. Solved. The fantasy yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to go to the roof of uh, Founders North, I believe. But I will always have a special place in my heart for the Founders Building. Um, that was the epicenter for a lot of things that we did. Um, we had our supper club in that building. Um, but uh, I'll also know it as a place we call the back lot or the studio for our, uh, our video production class. Yes. Made a lot of uh, silly little movies in that building in the middle of the night. Dummies, uh, clothes stuffed with. Yes, yes. We well, Sorry. we threw a dummy off the. Uh, the that was the building. The engineering building. We threw a dummy off the balcony in there. Good yeah. times. Hey, I do want to before we move on. I got to give a special shout out. Rest in peace to one building that wasn't mentioned by anybody, and that was the beloved art barn. May she forever rest in peace. Yeah, it's been replaced by a fancy arts and technology center, uh, which is just not the same. It's not the same. Look, all you people that go to UT Dallas, <laughs> there's people we who paved to, the way for you. <laughs> there's lots of Aggies and 
Longhorns yeah. and Baylor folks out there are like, I don't even know what UTD is. It's a almost tier one university, folks. The jewel yes. of Dallas, Texas. And we were like 300 freshmen who were there. At the start. At the start of the first big freshman class and like totally, totally different now. Uh, than it was then. It's almost unrecognizable. It's an amazing academic institution. Go Comets! Whoosh. Eugene McDermott was born on February 12, 1899 in Brooklyn, New York to Owen and Emma Cahill McDermott. He grew up in Brooklyn and was a quiet, studious young man. He served in the United States Navy during the First World War and then quickly worked his way through earning a master's degree in mechanical engineering from the Stevens Institute of Technology in New Jersey in 1919. After he graduated, he worked at the Goodyear Rubber Company as an engineer from 1919 to 1921 and then joined Western Electric Company from 1921 to 1923. At the time, both companies were among the most important technology companies in the world and at Western Electric, he met a young engineer and physicist named J. Clarence Karcher, who was just a few years older than McDermott. In 1919, Karcher had invented and patented a method of using seismic waves to estimate the properties under the Earth's surface called reflective seismology. He intended to use the technology to search for oil, but the post-war glut in the market kept prices so low that no one was interested in using his technology, and he wound up working at Western Electric on the oceanic telegraph cable. Karcher and McDermott struck up a friendship at Western Electric, and McDermott was inspired by Karcher's ideas and theories to pursue a Master of Arts degree in physics at Columbia University. In 1925, the vice president of Amarada Petroleum Corporation in Dallas, Everett Lee de Gullier, hired Karcher to form Geophysical Research Corporation in order to utilize Karcher's seismic invention to find oil. Karcher's first decision was to hire his friend McDermott, who just graduated from Columbia, and sent him to Houston to learn the oil business and serve as a field supervisor on the earliest tests of their new seismic method. He was soon placed in charge of GRC's instrument laboratory in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and for five years, Amarada took advantage of Karcher and McDermott's hard work. By late 1929, there was tremendous demand from the entire industry for seismic exploration, and since Karcher owned the patent, the trio of de Gaulier, Karcher, and McDermott decided to go off on their own to provide and service the entire market. With de Gaulier as the silent partner, McDermott and Karcher left GRC and formed Geophysical Service Incorporated in Dallas. They were going to conduct geophysical exploration for the oil industry. It soon became the world leader. McDermott moved to Dallas to serve as vice president of GSI from 1930 to 1939, with Karcher serving as president. They also set up a lab in their old home in Newark, New Jersey, and hired a former Alcoa sales engineer named J. Eric Johnson, Karcher's cousin by marriage, to manage it. There was also a crew chief from Canada named Cecil Green, who would work his way up in the company to become a trusted colleague to McDermott. Should we pause and say the episode number for Johnson? In 1938, Karcher's focus shifted more and more to becoming an oil producer as he'd led the company to purchase several oil fields. He and McDermott decided to split the production and exploration portions of the business into two subsidiaries. Karcher's portion of the business became Coronado Petroleum, while McDermott became president of the GSI subsidiary in 1939. In 1941, Karcher sold Coronado to Standard Oil and went on to found several other oil production companies. 
McDermott, Johnson, Green, and another employee named H.B. Peacock bought out Karcher's share of GSI, becoming full owners of the corporation. During the war years, GSI continued its important geophysical exploration work, but also expanded their operations into electronics for the war effort. Seismic equipment was critically important for military applications, but they were also able to use their manufacturing expertise to build other types of equipment for the Allies. From 1941 to 1946, McDermott was a civilian consultant to the Office of Scientific Research and Development. He contributed to various technical journals and had about 10 inventions of his own, ranging from geochemical applications to anti-submarine warfare. He also became concerned with what he saw as a tendency of science to neglect individual and economic growth and worried about the state of science, technology, and education after the war. In November 1945, when the war was over, Patrick Haggerty was hired as general manager of the Laboratory and Manufacturing Division, which focused on electronic equipment. By 1951, the L&M Division, with its defense contracts, was growing faster than GSI's geophysical division. McDermott, Johnson, Green, along with Haggerty, decided to reorganize the company to focus on the electronics manufacturing side more than the geophysics side. In 1951, they formed Texas Instruments, and GSI became a wholly owned subsidiary of the new electronics firm. McDermott became the Texas Instrument board chairman, with Johnson serving as president of TI and Green as president and chairman of GSI. Haggerty was the vice president of TI under Johnson. Very quickly, Texas Instruments became one of the most vibrant and important technology leaders on the planet, particularly after their exploitation of transistors and silicon semiconductors eventually led to the invention of the first integrated circuit in 1958. It was during this period that McDermott, Green, and Johnson all looked at their success and each realized that they could do more than just succeed in business. For McDermott, changes happened fairly late in his life. A lifelong bachelor of 51, McDermott married Margaret Milam in 1951. Margaret, who was 13 years Eugene's junior, was a remarkable woman in her own right. She was born in Austin and had graduated from the University of Texas with a journalism degree. She took a job as a society reporter for the Dallas Times-Herald and, and later served as society editor for the Dallas Morning News. When World War II broke out, she volunteered with the Red Cross and served in war zones in Europe and Southeast Asia, tending to the wounded and filing dispatches for Dallas papers. She was glamorous, witty, fearless, and brilliant, but she found a perfect match in the quiet man heading Texas Instruments. Margaret inspired Eugene to do something about his concern that education should be consistently excellent from the start, and that, quote, learning begins when a child starts looking at the world. Over the next several years, they gave millions of dollars to education and philanthropic endeavors, beginning with $1.25 million of TI stock, which went toward building the Stevens Institute of Technology Center in 1954. They gave scholarship money to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and donated to the Lamplighter School, the Dallas Junior College System, Southern Methodist University, the UT Southwestern Medical School, the University of Dallas, Hockaday School, and the University of Texas system. In this adventure, they weren't alone, because the other founders of Texas Instruments were similarly prolific in their philanthropy. Cecil Green and his wife Ida gave away over $200 million towards education and medicine during their lifetimes, while we previously talked extensively about the philanthropic and civic endeavors of J. Eric Johnson way back in episode 50. 
In many ways, the greatest achievement was when the three of them joined together to establish the Graduate Research Center of the Southwest in 1961. This center was established in order to allow TI and other technology companies in Dallas to have a homegrown research facility which would attract bright young minds to the area. They established the facility in 62 in a land which they had purchased in the suburb of Richardson, a few miles away from TI's North Dallas campus. In 1969, this land and what was now called the Southwest Center for Advanced Studies was transferred to the state of Texas and became part of the University of Texas system, becoming the University of Texas at Dallas, a graduate school until 1975, and finally a four-year university beginning in 1990. Today, UT Dallas is one of the top technology and research universities in the country and just so happens to be the alma mater of your humble hosts. But we can talk about that later. From 1951 to 1958, McDermott served as chairman of the board of TI, and then he retired to become chairman of the executive committee of the board of directors until 1964. Johnson became chairman in 1958 until 1966, during which time he was elected mayor of Dallas. McDermott Johnson, McDermott, Johnson, and Green all remained members of the board of directors and key shareholders in TI for many years after actively retiring from leadership positions. After McDermott retired from active management of TI, he served as a member of the MIT Corporation from 1960 to 1973, a trustee of the Board of Governors of SMU, trustee and chairman of the Executive Committee of the Excellence in Education Foundation, a trustee of St. Mark's and the Area Educational TV Foundation, and a member of the Coordinating Board of Texas Colleges and Universities, now the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board, from 1965 to 1971. He was a trustee of Stevens Institute, the Presbyterian Hospital Children's Medical Center, the SMU Foundation for Science and Engineering, the Eugene McDermott Foundation, the Biological Humanics Foundation, which he founded in 1954, the Texas Research Foundation, and the Southwestern Medical Foundation. The McDermott's contributed $200,000 towards establishing the Margot Jones Memorial Theater at SMU in 1965 and served as directors of the SMU Fine Arts Association. The McDermott's established a trust fund for the Dallas Art Association, and their financing renovated the Gillespie County Courthouse in Fredericksburg. Now, I'm going to say it's a fine list of uh, philanthropic endeavors. An amazing list. And thanks to their business success, his support of Eric Johnson's Civic Plan for Dallas, and their philanthropic activities alongside the other Texas Instrument founders, the McDermott's were at the very top of Dallas society. Eugene and Margaret had one child, a daughter named Mary. They were active in many civic and religious organizations, and in the 1960s, he even received a papal honor for his work in advancing Christianity and education. Eugene McDermott was the first of the founders to pass away, dying in his home in Dallas on August 23, 1973, following an illness of several months. After his death, his colleagues spoke on just how important he was. He didn't try to get credit for what he'd done. That's not a common trait, and it's sort of refreshing, Eric Johnson said to the Dallas Morning News following McDermott's death in 1973. He was the most generous man I've ever known. He was also an innovator, a fine engineer, curious about anything and everything, intelligent enough to understand anything understood by anyone up to now. Cecil Green said, In the early days of the company, the firm now known as TI, we three complimented each other in personal attributes. Johnson, the businessman, I was the engineer, 
and McDermott, the scientists. We were a pretty close. We were pretty close knit, and never came to the brink of explosion one single time, though we had lots of ups and downs. But the story of the McDermotts was not over in 1973. After Eugene's death, Margaret stepped up to continue the work that she and her husband had started. She became chairman of the Eugene McDermott Foundation and for five decades served as one of the most important philanthropic leaders in Dallas. She was particularly devoted to two peculiar she was devoted to two particular Dallas institutions that were close to Eugene's heart, the UT Southwestern Medical School and the University of Texas at Dallas. Over the years, under Mrs. McDermott's leadership, the McDermott Foundation donated over $45 million to UT Southwestern, and virtually every corner of the campus bears some mark to honor the legacy of her beloved husband, including the Eugene McDermott Plaza, the Eugene McDermott Administration Building, the Eugene McDermott Basic Science Research Building, and the Eugene McDermott Center for Pain Management. Today, UT Southwestern is one of the most important medical schools in the country, and the McDermott family is a critical part of that success. Mrs. McDermott worked extensively with UT Dallas during its growth from a small research campus to a Tier 1 university. The foundation donated millions of dollars to support that growth. The heart of the university, for many years its largest building, is the Eugene McDermott Library. The foundation's $32 million gift in 2000, establishing the Eugene McDermott Scholars Program, was one of the single largest donations in UTD history. This scholarship is highly selective, providing a full scholarship and stipend package with access to UT Dallas's rigorous education, leadership training, cultural enrichment, and personal opportunities designed to equip those students with the skills, experience, and confidence to succeed as leaders. In 2008, she donated over $30 million to revive and beautify UTD's campus through the Campus Enhancement Project, which has completely transformed the look and feel of the campus. In fact, we hardly recognize it anymore. Her endowment of $10 million in 2017 provided the Honors College a new name and called for an expanded focus on undergraduate research. She also endowed the school, which is largely known for its technology and science background, with another major donation in a different discipline. The Richard Bertell Award in the Arts mandates that every other year UTD will honor an artist, quote, whose body of works demonstrates a lifetime of achievement in their field. And that artist will receive $150,000. The, the first recipient was acclaimed landscape architect Peter Walker, whose designs included the outdoor portion of the Nasher Sculpture Center and the 9-11 Memorial in New York City. In addition to her endeavors with UT Southwestern and UT Dallas, Mrs. McDermott was also a critical figure in the development of the Dallas Arts District located downtown. She's been a key contributor to the construction of many of the projects associated with that area, including the Dallas Museum of Art, the Morton Meyerson Symphony Hall, the Nasher Sculpture Garden, the Winspear Opera House, the Wiley Theater, as well as hundreds of other public spaces, venues, museums, and facilities. She gave over 3,100 works to the Dallas Museum of Art and was a benefactor of the Dallas Symphony and Dallas Opera. In 2016, the second controversial Santiago Calatrava designed bridge across the Trinity River leading into downtown Dallas was named after Mrs. McDermott. This was in recognition of her significant support for the Trinity River Corridor Project. Despite all of her public work, Mrs. McDermott often shunned the spotlight. She once told a critic for the news that she had a habit of brushing aside requests for interviews and profiles by noting that 
She was in journalism for 20 years and knows that the more you stay out of the headlines, the better off you are. Wise words. She seemed to most enjoy meeting the people who benefited from the gifts of the foundation, particularly students that were part of the scholars program, and regularly hosted dinner parties and barbecues at their home, even when she was well into her 100s. UTD Executive Vice President Hobson Wildenthal told the UTD Mercury of an event last year at her home for 30 students in the scholars program, quote, Every single time a student gave their little speech, Mrs. McDermott responded with a totally appropriate, very witty reply. Us old folks, knowing how old and tired she was, were just amazed at how she could summon up the energy and the presence of mind and wit to do that 30 times in a row. Margaret McDermott died on May 3, 2018 of natural causes at the age of 106. She had survived her husband by almost 45 years. She and her husband Eugene left behind a remarkable and durable legacy to the people of Dallas and to Texas and to the world. UT Dallas graduate and inaugural McDermott scholar Eric Kimblebeck possibly may have put it the best when he told the UTD Mercury, quote, that will be her legacy, finding good people, getting them excited, and then getting them to go and change the world. That is our charge because we want to, and in memory of her, more than the buildings and donations, the people are her legacy. And I think you could say that about Eugene McDermott as well. Well, I think the world lost a very special lady in her um, this month. Yeah. Yeah, this one hits close to home because, uh, I mean, obviously, I never met Mrs. McDermott. Um, but, you know, with the three of us having gone to UT Dallas. Well, we and spent a lot of time in that McDermott building. We spent building. a lot of that, that <laughs> building. Yeah, uh, that library. I love that library, too. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. library, great building. But, um, uh, you know, the, the, the stories, you know, we, we went on a scholarship. It was not as good as the McDermott scholarship, quite frankly, because it had the same – we had – the it has a, the, I looked at the conditions of that scholarship. It is uh, full tuition, room and board, uh, fees and everything. There's a, there's a cash stipend. and But in addition to that, there's memberships to the Dallas Museum of Art, to the Dallas, uh, to the Dallas Symphony, to the Dallas uh, Summer Musicals, uh, to, <laughs> to the Nashers. Like there's all kinds of cultural memberships and, and there's a lot of – and then – the other thing is there's a lot of cohort and mentorship programs for those students with with uh, uh, business leaders and civic leaders in the city. So, you know, but, you know, when when we were going to school, I had always heard that our scholarship came from at least one of the founders, uh, uh, possibly several of the founders uh, were involved in funding the scholarship that we went to UT Dallas on. So. Uh, I, I'd like to think that the McDermott Foundation played a part in us meeting each other, and well, it certainly did, because they they built the school. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it well, it's a big part of us here. I mean, I would say uh, it was a, a great scholarship uh, that paid for my education, put a roof over my head for four years. So I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth because I didn't get a free museum ticket. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 amazing because I remember almost 200 episodes ago when we talked about <laughs> Eric Johnson, the fact that you're just like, I mean, you just, your mind can't wrap around how big a deal Texas instrument was. And then the fact that just how much blood, sweat and tears those guys put in and, and frankly money into revitalizing the civic presence of Dallas 
And when you look at the modern city skyline of Dallas, when you see all of the industry progress technology that happens there, it is because a concentrated set of individuals who came to Texas, fell in love with Texas, and said, I'm going to just transform this landscape and make this uh, an academic in a, a you know, magnificent place for business and industry. And uh, and certainly, you know, Mrs. McDermott was a big piece of that, of saying, you need to get it together, Eugene, and do something with your money. I mean, when this, this podcast is, is, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, obviously we're going to be very philanthropic with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, and uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Green passed away uh, in 2003, so I think he was the last of the founders uh, to still be living. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I can remember when he passed away, there was a great deal of uh, information about you know the, the Green family, how much money they gave away, uh, how much money they they donated. But you know, if you go anywhere in Dallas to any any public building that's available to you know to the for the use by the public you know especially you know it, you will see the mcdermott foundation name on on so many of these buildings parks and buildings and uh schools and things like that 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 just this is a it's such the Fa- mcdermott foundation is such a critical part of dallas's culture and and of ensuring that that dallas has that the people of Dallas and the people of, of North Texas have the, the, the fine things of, you know, the, the important things of culture and of, of history and of education. Uh, and the, you go to any, every hospital practically. And, you know, this, this particular area is a gift of the, the Meadows foundation or donation from the Meadows. I mean, no, sorry, this donation from the McDermott Foundation. So it's very important, you know, very important. Uh, every 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 musical I've been to at the, either the Winspear or at the Dallas Summer Musicals, like they have the sponsor circle and the, the McDermott Foundation is the, the biggest, boldest letters there. You know, they're the first ones listed. So a very important part of our life is just not something we necessarily think about and r- realize until you mm-hmm. know, Mrs. McDermott passes away. No, I mean, it's the influence is there. I mean, we we talked about this some when we did the episode on Johnson, but, uh, you know, that trio of names, uh, McDermott, Johnson, and Green, uh, were, were everywhere on campus. You know, it was just a, a part of our education, in a sense. So uh, I feel very fortunate to uh, have been at least somewhat, um, I don't want to say enabled, that's not the right word. Touched. Well, touched, yeah, and uh, influenced, however invisibly and uh, generally, uh, by their efforts. Yeah, but it is interesting that, you know, I'm sure in some building somewhere there's a Haggerty service and maintenance closet. (laughs) Well, Haggerty is an important part of Plano, you know, because he he had a ranch that he purchased in Plano and... He's very important to the to the development of the, the Plano and the oh, North Dallas area. I know. So. I was just being dumb. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff about all of them at uh, at the TI campus as well. So, yeah, and we talked about that in the Johnson things. You can actually see in one of the buildings they have a recreation of the original office where the integrated circuit was developed, and everything is just sort of just as it was in there. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. 
follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I am Scotticus. You love this show? So help us out, tell your friends, and leave a review on iTunes because that helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.